things that come up in our world. And so um, with the game of life, a lot of choices that we make may be good or bad. And sometimes we come up against unexpected circumstances. Uh, you know, just thinking about a game, you roll the dice and you land on something. You have no choice. You've got to receive what that thing is. And that's kind of what happens in life is that we deal with circumstances. So before we get in, going too far, uh, who in this church has ever in their entire life had a bad day? And then on top of that, has affected their attitude later on that day. Okay, for those of you that came to church and that happened this morning in the car on the way here, good thing is we're going to change that today. So it's a good place to be. So we're going to have fun with that. Listen, I've been there before. Um, you know, sometimes uh, I came up with this definition myself, so uh, don't quote, quote Webster on this, but you can quote me. But circumstances, they are something that happened to you unexpected, unexpectedly. You can't, compare, you can't prepare for those things. It just happens. And so how you deal with those things is what we're talking about today, how to really live this game of life. And so um, let's go ahead and pray real quick, and we'll get going with the message. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Once again, we thank you for the opportunity to come into this place, to your house, and to worship you. Father, I thank you for the, just the, the opportunity to stand here and share your message. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help me to speak this message with simplicity and clarity. Father, that through this message, you would give me illustrations and thoughts that may help drive home the point that we can understand how to live this life to the fullest, the way that you created us. And so, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Father, that there are open hearts and open ears in this room to hear today. And so, Lord, I ask that you bless those hearts, bless those ears, and we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, recently... I was thinking about the circumstances, and sometimes circumstances in our lives, maybe we're driving to work, or we're driving to school, or we're driving here to church, and you're cruising down the loop, and all of a sudden, somebody cuts you off. There's some unexpected uh, circumstances that could rise up there. You know, you could uh, tell them that number one, or you could, you know, sit back and uh, applaud them, or you could do the hand high, praise Jesus idea, and you know, some of us, it's more this way, but that's, that's okay, you know? We, we all do those things. Sometimes... Uh, they can be good things. Uh, recently, I, I believe it was down in Florida, um, a family won $300 million in the lotto. That's a pretty good unexpected thing that you're, you know, you were hoping for, but all of a sudden it happens. That's, uh, you handle that a little different than you do cutting somebody off. But that's, uh, those are all circumstances. And every circumstance we face in this life causes us to react to life in a certain way. And that's the thing I want to talk about today is how we learn to live and to play the game of life. Because I want you to understand, God created life. If you have your Bibles, turn to two scriptures, John chapter 6 and Romans chapter 12. Stay at John chapter 6 and then put your finger or your little uh, book holder or your bulletin, something in Romans chapter 12, because we're going to go right there pretty quickly. John chapter 6. This is life and this is what God talks about here. John chapter 6, verse 63, towards the end of John 6. John must have been really talkative that day. Man, he was really hearing from God. That is a long book, or a long chapter right there. So, way to go. Uh, John six sixty three says this. It says, The Spirit gives life, and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Listen to how it says it out of the message version. It says, The Spirit can make life, Sheer muscle and willpower, willpower don't make anything happen. Every word I've spoken to you is spirit word, and so it is life-making. So, in, a, in other words, way to understand 
about life is you've got to go to the source of life, which is found in the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. This is where we find life. In order to play the game of life the right way, you have to go to the Word of God. And that is found straight out of here. And too many times I think we try to define life by the situations around us. Well, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do this, or I see people doing this, and I do this, instead of finding ourselves right here. In the first verse, or the first service, I was, uh, we were doing praise and worship, and during it, God started showing me some things. God shows me different visions and illustrations and things like that. It's a, it's a unique thing, but sometimes it's very odd how he shows me stuff. And so we were doing praise and worship, and all of a sudden, the film of Snow White starts running through my mind. And I'm like, okay, God, that's kind of distracting, but all right, where are you going with this? And so I start watching this stuff, and I'm seeing it, and it gets to the point where the, the evil witch, the bad queen, the lady who wants to rule everything, she walks up to the mirror, and she says this thing. She says, tell me who's the, most, the fairest, the most beautiful of all. And the mirror looks back at her and says, oh, well, that's Snow White, or that's, you know, that's somebody else. And a lot of times in life, and what God showed me there was, we do the same thing, except we think it's talking about somebody else. We get our definition of what life is all about from what we see on the outside, instead of what this Bible says we are on the inside. The Bible says that God gives us life, and the Spirit of God is the thing that teaches us what life is all about. Turn to Romans chapter 12, and this is where I told you to go next, a few books to the right. Romans 12. And I want you to think about this because that illustration drives a point home how we need to look and find that this, this book has to be our mirror. The song that we sang earlier that Evan, the the gentleman who was singing right here, talked about, I am all in you. Everything I have comes through you. You are my source and my guide. And so um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 teaches us that in order to follow God, we have to start changing the way we think. But it doesn't just start there. It starts with making a choice to say, God, I want to follow you. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasing and perfect will and that is a great scripture i shared this in the first service and i'll share it here there's a lot of great scriptures and then there's a lot of scriptures that are very hard to apply and what i mean by that is this goes against everything we know because the world says get what you get do whatever it takes to get all these things and make your life enjoyable god talks about Offer your life to me, and I'll teach you how to live this life. When you sacrifice what you do every Sunday morning, maybe that was for years you would watch football, or for years you would just get up and you'd make breakfast, but now you choose to come to church to make this a priority for you and your family, guess what? You made a sacrifice. That is a spiritual act of worship. Now God's starting to work on the way we think about it, that this is an opportunity Listen to this out of the message version, those same two verses. It says, so, so here's what I want to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, 
and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. That's verse 1. Simply take your life and lay it out before God. Say, God, this is you. This is what I want you to have. I want to be redefined by you. Verse 2 says this, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Man, how many times do we find ourselves doing that same thing? We watch people react at work, and what do we do? We react the same way. We watch people treat others, talk bad about their spouses, talk bad about the boss, and what do we do? We chime right in. So quickly, we jump in on those things. That's not what God has called us to do. God's called us to think differently. Praise your boss when he does wrong. Praise your spouse when they're not doing right. If there's one good thing you can find about your spouse, brag on them unbelievably. If your spouse makes the best cinnamon rolls in the world, guess what? Every person in the world is going to know that my wife makes the best cinnamon rolls in the world. Everything else may still be working on it, but you know what? I'm going to praise the good things instead of focusing on the bad things. That's what God has called us to do. Change the way we think. Change the way we do things. Because what do you hear? You hear people all the time confessing the bad things about people. Let's start looking and confessing the good things. Let me finish this. Instead, fix your attention on God. Put your eyes on God and focus on what he's doing. Then you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants for you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God simply says, if you'll just choose to serve me, if you'll choose to do this, what we're going to do is we're going to change the way you think. We're going to change the way you think, and it's going to be so different that you're going to go, I'm not sure about this, but all of a sudden something's going to change. You're going to start being experiencing things that you've never experienced before. You're going to experience something that God is wanting to do inside of you. And it's going to change the way you think. And it is so amazing when he does this. Because in Proverbs 23, 7, it says this, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. When, you, when that evil witch or the bad queen looked at the mirror and said, Who am I? Who am I? She got an answer that said, You're not good enough. This is the best. God never comes back with, You're not good enough. He always comes back with, you're the best. I, I, I did a teaching in our young adults a few weeks ago. And I, there's a scripture in John where he's talking about himself. And he's talking about the first recorded race ever. Here he is, you know, the Olympics are on. It's him and another disciple. The other disciple is what he's referred to. And he's saying this and he gets down and he said, he finds out about Jesus not being in the tomb. Mary Magdalene comes, she tells, she says these things and she goes through all this stuff. And they say, we take off running. And it's a neck and neck race. It's back and forth, back and forth. He's throwing elbows. They're throwing elbows. They're going through all this. This is my version. This is how I played it out in my mind. They're going back and forth. And all of a sudden, he crosses the finish line. And John's going, I won. I did it. I'm the champ. I'm the best. I'm the best. But when he talks about it later on, John was funny. Let me, and I'll get back to that in just one second. Because you've got to understand John. John so badly wanted to be loved by God that in the beginning, do you know what his nickname was, he and his brother? They were called the Sons of Thunder. Now, that's a pretty good biker nickname, but that's not a very good disciple nickname. Oh, boy, here comes the Sons of Thunder. You know, we're thinking, oh, man, there's some bad stuff happening here. In fact, at one point, they rejected Jesus, and he said, God, you want us to call down fire and burn them up so they never live again, and we can walk right through there and be champions? And he's like, no, no, you don't get it. It's about love that we walk through. 
And so John so badly wanted to be loved, he in fact asked his mom to go ask Jesus if he can sit on the right side of him and his brother on the other. There's so many of these things that he just wanted to be accepted. But when you read the story of John and you get to this point, he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loves. The one who, he doesn't even refer to his own, he gave himself a nickname. He didn't like Sons of Thunder. I'm half the Son of Thunder. No, I'm going to be the one Jesus loved. And for so long, it took me a long, it took me forever to figure that out and understand it. But it comes back to that. When you read those, you see the desire that he has to be loved by God. The problem is he would never let God love him. He thought his title would define who he is. Until he finally realized it. It snapped. And he realized, man, God loves me for who I am, not because of what I do. Not because of how I dress. Not because of how I comb my hair or color my hair or do any of this stuff. Not because of how big my beard is. He loves me because of who I am. And that's where he simply comes through and says, the one whom Jesus loves. You know, I think we would have a lot of different lives in this world if we'd look in the mirror every morning and go, hey, there's the one who Jesus loves. Instead of looking and saying, oh man, do you remember this mistake you did? Do you remember this? Do you remember this? Do you remember this? Because in all reality, that's what the enemy wants us to do. Focus on the past. But God says, I've got a future for you. A great future. If you'll just simply follow through and trust me in this area. John Maxwell said this thing. And I believe it is so true. He said, life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. You can do everything you want to prepare for what's coming in the future. But it's all about how you prepare on the inside that will help you to achieve a better result later on in life. God said, if you'll trust me and change the way you think, I'll change you from the inside out. Now, as I was preparing this message, God speaks to me through different things. He, he uh, shares messages and he, he gives me illustrations, brings me back to things I went through when I was younger. And so he took me back to a time when I was about 10 years old. And uh, one of my friends had, uh, he had invited me over to a, a birthday party. And it was a slumber party. We had a, quite a few people over there. And one of the things we were going to do, his birthday being around October, they said, well, let's take the kids to the haunted house. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, 10 years old, here I am. On the outside, I'm saying, on the inside, I am screaming, no, I don't want to go there because I'm going to scream. I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I hope I can control my bodily functions. That's what I'm praying inside. And so I'm so worried about these things. And I remember as I was, as we were going to this thing, I'm, I'm, we're driving in the car and I can still remember it. I was sitting there figuring out how am I going to make this work? How am I going to make this work that I'm not going to be the girl of the group or the, the, the weak one or this or that? How can I hide and fit in just enough? And so I figured this, I figured, okay, if I'm not the first person, then somebody else will have to be scared and I can prepare myself for it. But I don't want to be the last guy either because the last guy, they mess with him too. So I thought if I can get right in the middle, right in the middle, then I'll have time to get ready for that. It's like going up the roller coaster, you know? You get up to the top and you're like, okay, here we go. I got to get ready and clinch up and bam, you go back down and then you go all over the place. I figure if I'm going up, I can view what's in front of me and I can control the situation. So I, but I don't want to be in the back because somebody could jump me from behind and then I'm all lost. Then it's going bad. And so I'll hide right in the middle. So we're going through this and I remember 
we had our we had our hands on each other's shoulders, and so they had them. We're walking. We're just you know we're trying to be tough because we're ten. You know that's the tough guys there, and. So we're trying to be tough, but getting scared at the same time and laughing and having fun and laughing at the guys who are screaming and stuff. And all of a sudden, we go around this corner. And I remember we're walking, and we took this right corner. We took this left-hand corner. We're going there, and I'm kind of looking this way because I saw something move up in the distance. And so I'm kind of watching this way. Don't even notice what's going on here. All of a sudden, this guy jumps out and screams at me and grabs me. Oh, my gosh. I am telling you what. I thought I died. I really thought I was just going to flat out, boom, I'm done. I finished. What happened? Oh, he died in the haunted house. You know, in my mind, I'm going through all this stuff on how I'm going to handle this. And I remember my heart is going a million miles an hour. And and I let out this yell. And it was kind of high-pitched. But, you know, uh, it's under debate still if it was a scream or not. But it was a yell. You know, men we yell. So I yelled really loud. And I remember I was thinking, oh, man. What are we going to, and I'm going through this. It was an unexpected event that happened to me. And I'm going, I I remember the guys behind me are laughing and the ones in front of me are turning around going, what happened? What, did somebody die? What was, you know, and so I'm going through all this stuff. As I'm walking away, I hear one of the workers say to somebody else, man, I thought that was a bunch of group of, uh, it was a group of guys. I didn't know there was a girl in the middle. I wouldn't have grabbed them like that. I'm telling you, I died. I am just like, oh man. I thought I had it all figured out, and man, they, they knocked me off my feet. And I was like, I was so, I was like, ha, 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 that guy, man, he didn't do very good, and I'm just trying to hide whatever it takes. But I remember after this, it messed, it messed with me so much mentally that I remember every time I would go around a corner, I wouldn't, you know, I just wouldn't walk and, 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 and do this walking around. No, when I walked around a corner, when I saw a corner coming up, I mean, my head's on a swivel. I'm like just checking it out, feeling it, and I'm doing these things. I remember walking around school, and I'm going around the corner, and I'm just like against the wall, just kind of trying to shift my way to feel myself around those things because I did not want to get scared like that again. And I remember that was the only way that I could rationalize in my mind how to deal with it was I'm going to slow down and I'm going to make this better. Well, as I was going through it, there were two things that happened. The first thing was I realized I don't ever want to go to a haunted house again. And I have not been back since then. So yes, that's a good thing. I received that. The second thing that happened is that after a few months, I finally got to a point where I was able to walk around corners. But it still messed with me on the inside. And that circumstance affected me for a lot of years. And I still, I don't have time, trouble walking around corners now. But back then I really did because I wasn't sure what was coming up in the future. And a lot of times we get so affected by the fear of the unknown that it stops us from living life to the fullest. You know, John 10.10 says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But yet I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. You know, I think about that. I always think about a buffet. If you go to a buffet and you don't walk out full, that is nobody else's fault but your own. I mean, I'm telling you, you go to Golden Corral or you go to First, you can get anything you want to. If you're not sure where to go to lunch, and I'm not trying to put this out there for anybody, you know, no free advertising, but a buffet is a great place to go because you can get anything you want. That's what life is all about. Not eating, but living it to the fullest. You should walk away from life loving life and living it to the fullest. That's what God has called us to do. 
We weren't created to live this life walking around corners like this. But a lot of times that's what we do. We build these walls up. We build this thing because they hurt us. We build that stuff, and all of a sudden, we don't have freedom. We have boundaries, and we have walls. And those walls, they show a mirror that is on the inside that we're looking at that defines something about us. The problem is, is that those mirrors are lying because what's truly found inside of you is actually on the inside. It's kind of a revelation right there. We try to figure it out from the outside to the end, but God says no from the inside out. I remember um, a few weeks ago, or a couple months ago, we were eating lunch, and uh, one of the ladies who works here at the office, uh, Ramona, our children's, our uh, faith kids, little faith kids pastor, she had brought this lemon. And on the outside, it looked great. Everything about it was good. She brought it to squeeze onto her food and, you know, add some flavor to it. And I remember as she, she got it, everything looked good about it until she cut it open. And I am telling you, this thing, I've never seen what, I guess, a rotten lemon looks like until that day. Everything on the outside looked perfect about it. I mean, we looked at it and we're like, there's got to be something. No, everything on the outside. You cut it, it was like black on the inside. I was like, I've never seen that before in my life. And a lot of times what happens is we really figure out what's on the inside when some type of pressure comes inside of us. When we cut that lemon open, you saw that black stuff everywhere. We squeezed it. It wasn't yellow juice. It was black, nasty. I mean, I was like, take that away from me. I don't want that anywhere near. When life happens to us, sometimes you walk away and you're like, why did I react that way? That's not me. Why did I do that? Because in all reality, that's what you've been pouring on the inside of you. And I'm not here to point fingers because if I'm pointing fingers at anybody, it's at me. Because when situations arise, I don't handle some of the situations right. Sometimes I do better, sometimes I do worse. But my goal is to get around people that are going to help lift me up, not keep tearing me down. Because God is always talking about up, future, moving forward. We can't focus on the past. The Bible says you're born again, which means your past doesn't exist. You've got a future ahead of you. Run the race that God has set out before you. God wants us to be prepared for every circumstance in life. And that's why he trains us through things. Maybe you're going through a season that you've got to work on patience. Maybe you're going through a season where you've just got to learn to keep this closed. That's a hard thing for a lot of people, including me. I sit there and I, there are times that I seriously have to bite my lips because I want to say something, but I'm like, okay, God, okay, can I, can I, no, no, can I, no, and I have to learn, okay, let's just let this happen and see what God does with it, and when the time comes, then he'll allow you to speak, and it's been a process, I'd love to say I got it done like the fast food restaurant, done in five minutes or less, and I'm on my way, no, it's been like a 15-year process, and I'm still at the beginning, but I'm trying. And that's what God asks. You know, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, yet gets up eight. I had this thought the other night in our young adult service, and I said this. I said, the problem in life is we focus too much on the fall when God is focused on getting up. We all make mistakes. But God said, listen, get back up. You can do it. Let's get back up. Let's get back up. Let's get back up. That's how we should live life. Turn to 2 Corinthians, just to the right a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. 
to truly experience something in life, you have to be free to do it. If, if you were bound up by something, you really can't experience. You only experience parts of it. But God says, listen, if you'll allow freedom to come into your life, you'll be free in a lot of areas. And one of the things is I was preparing for this, and, you know, I, I really don't have a hard time laughing. Um, I, I was just kind of raised around that. Uh, we laugh a lot. Uh, I get, if you get around Pastor Storm much, you're going to laugh. You're going to have a good time. You're going to enjoy these things because he enjoys life. But one of the things as I was preparing this, God really helped me to understand was this, is that God didn't make life to be a burden. God made life to be enjoyable. Which means just as you watch kids and you just laugh at them, and not at them, but you're laughing just what they do and how they do things. And man, it's just so much fun to see that joy. We went swimming recently and watching my son throw the football and jump in and catch it and do these different things and dive and swim and just how he's growing, that brought a smile to my face. I enjoyed that time. You can enjoy this life. And I think that's one of the things. One of the things somebody's spoken to my life a lot of times is they give me permission to do things. And so I give you permission to enjoy this life. If nobody's ever told you that before, you have permission to enjoy this life. Don't, don't feel like you need to be you know, so religious. No. Love God and enjoy this life. That's what God has for us. Live life to the fullest. Enjoy it. Trust him. Watch what he can do if you'll just simply follow after his enjoyment. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says this. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Very simply, it comes down to this. If you're not around the Spirit of the Lord, you're going to be in bondage. If you're not getting time to be around God, no matter what's going on in your life, if you have an addiction or if you have uh, issues that are in your past or you have people that are just bombarding you with things, listen, it's easy to get caught up in those things and let it affect your day. But the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's simply taking your issues of the day and saying, oh God, here, I forgot to give that to you. There you go. I'm free now. It's on you. It's in your hands. It's the best place it needs to be. And guess what? I'm free to live life. The problem is, is that when we try to live life walking like this, focused on our issues, we're going to walk right off an edge and fall into a hole. God didn't create it that way. He created us to live free, hands-free. Those Bluetooth things are great. Guess what? God is full of Bluetooth things. You're hands-free. We just got to trust God and what's going on there. One of the things that I, I, I've, I've always enjoyed was acronyms. And acronyms are taking letters and making words with them. And so um, one of the ones that the Christian world knows very well is WWJD, what would Jesus do, or walking with Jesus daily, or however you like it, that's one of those things. And so um, as I was preparing this, God took me and gave me what life is all about. And so uh, I was... I was pretty impressed with God on this one. So I'm pretty impressed with God a lot of times, but this is pretty cool. So if, you wanna, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is going to be really good. The L in life stands for love. In order to truly live for God, you must live in God's love because that's where the Spirit of God is. The Bible says in 1 John that God is love. To know God is to know love. To know love is to know God. So every time you're around somebody that loves you or you share that love, you're experiencing the presence of God. You're experiencing the first part of life. You're experiencing what the Lord has taught us through love. It's about receiving those things. The next one, the I. The I is insecurity. 
insecurities in our life will hinder us from living life to the fullest. And I want you to understand this because you may be very insecure about something. Um, you know, I shared this earlier and I'll share it again. One of the things that is, is most, one of the professions that is the most, deals with insecurity the most out of any profession, which is very odd to me, is models. Models are some of the most insecure people you will ever meet in your entire life. Nothing is ever good enough. I've always got to get a little bit stronger. I've always got to get my abs a little bit better. I've got to get this work done on my face because my nose has this little bump that sticks out and I've got to get everything. There's never perfection, but yet they continue to strive for it. This is what God is trying to get across. Listen, we can't live life insecure. If we live life insecure, we'll never make, we'll never make it to life. Because if I can't get past the I, I never get to the F and the E. God said, if you'll trust me, that you can do all things through him who gives us strength. All things. Which means you were created well enough. One of the pastors who's up in Amarillo, Texas, he pastors a great church called Trinity. And he said, you know, I figured out what my calling in life is. He said, you know, as you get older, you start to experience this thing called gravity a lot more. And things start to go not so much north, they go more south in a lot of things. And, and he said, you know, my calling in life may be to be here, but when I go to the pool, guess what? My calling is to make you feel better about your body and your life. He said he'll take his shirt off and walk around proudly. Yep, I've, yep, I've done it again, Lord. I've done it again, Lord, because they're going, look at that guy. You know, we got, it. I've done it again. Thank you, Lord. I've done it again. He realizes those things. And that's a whole different outlook on insecurity. Because a lot of times, well, oh, I can't do that just because I, I don't look right. I don't think I look right. If I'm so hindered by insecurity, I can never truly experience life. It's about letting those things go. The next one is F, forgiveness. Forgiveness is such a hard thing to walk through. Because in all reality, we want revenge, then forgiveness, for the revenge we took on that person, and then we want to be set free. But God says, no, forgive them for the wrongs that they've done to you. In fact, the Bible says, bless those who despitefully use you. And it's not, oh, here, God, you know, you... you Slash my tires the other day. Here, here's my keys to my car. I want to bless you with this. Unless God tells you to do that, then you follow through. But what he's talking about is let me deal with them. You just let go and speak good things into their world. God, you bless them the way that they need to be blessed. That is one of the keys that has helped me to get through a lot of situations in my life. Lord, you bless them. Whether they've stolen money from you, whether they've wronged you, whether they've said things about you, Lord, you bless them the way that you know they need to be blessed. Letting it go. Because a lot of times when we deal with unforgiveness, and the greatest analogy I've ever heard of this is this. Unforgiveness is like me drinking poison and hoping that you die. It never works. That's why God continues to share living unforgiveness. When you let those things go, freedom comes into your world. Freedom comes. And that's where God lives, is in the Spirit of God, there is freedom. So you start to let those things go. So once you learn to love and to experience what God has, you live to live in security through God, not through security through the world, because guess what? The security in the world changes every single day. 
But when you live secure in God, you learn to forgive and live in forgiveness, you get to experience the E, which is enjoyment. You enjoy this life. You start to experience what God has for you across the board. Too many people in this world are living life instead of living life. And that's what it comes down to. You can't experience the enjoyment God has for you until you experience those first three things, which are hard. I understand it. They are hard. But God is not a mean God. He's not an upset, a mad God. God is a loving God that is just saying, I just want to show you what life is about. The thing in order to live life, to have a clean house, you got to get up and you got to clean. You can't live in a dirty house and hope it gets clean. Sometimes we got to clean things up. And that's found through God. He's the greatest maid that you'll ever find. He'll clean that house better than you could ever imagine. Whoop, almost, almost fell in my chair right there. Uh, the last thing right here that I want to get to. I want to talk about how to live this life. In the book of Ecclesiastes, which is written by Solomon, who's the son of David, who was one of the wisest men to ever walk this earth. He, he's the gentleman that God said, whatever you want, I'll give to you. And he said, Lord, how can I govern your people without your wisdom? And God looked at him and was so blessed. He said, because you didn't ask for riches, because you didn't ask for power, because you didn't ask for this other, these other things that the world would say is important, but you came and you asked for my wisdom. I'm going to bless you with wisdom and I'm going to bless you with all this. He was one of the richest people. That guy had more wives than a, wow. Yeah, we're going to leave it there. I don't know if he got wisdom in that area, but that's okay. <laughs> Here's the thing that I want to get across is that Solomon wrote this And out of the message version, it's incredible. The title of it is Seize Life. And it says this, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 7. This is out of the message version. It says, Seize Life. Eat bread with gusto. Drink wine with a robust heart. Oh yes, God, take pleasure. God takes pleasures in your pleasure. Dress festively every morning. Don't skimp on colors or scarves. That's easy for people, for women in Texas. Man, they love big hair. Big colors, that's a good thing. Do that. He's saying live it. Live it to the fullest. Sorry, husbands. But there you go. Stop by uh, wherever you want to go after this. Each day is a, diff- is a gift from God. It is, it's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. Make the most of each one. Don't, whatever turns up, grab it and do it heartily. God has called us to simply live this life. Listen, when we hold back, when we keep these, these burdens on our life, we can't live life. If you've ever tried to walk forward looking backwards, you realize very quickly you're going to fall. There, there was uh, this one time I was, I went over to help, uh, I, I used to work in Albuquerque and the pastor there went over to his house and he's like, he had a pool and he said, I need help getting the cover off. Can you come over and help me? And I said, yeah, we can come over and help you. We can do these things. And so his son and I were on one side and he was on the other and we were pulling the the cover off of the pool. And I remember as we're walking there, he's walking backwards and he's talking and having a great time and doing all these things. Well, his pool is one of those that kind of comes out like this. As you can guess, his left foot slips right on the thing and he goes tumbling. I mean, he lost everything. His phone, his wallet, his clothes, his shoes, everything. I've never seen anybody get out of a pool faster than that. I mean, it was record time. I don't even know if he hit the water. That's how fast it was. He was just boom, boom, in and out. But I remember thinking, wow, you should have turned around and looked right there. We tried to tell him, but he was talking and talking and talking, and that's what happens sometimes. We get to talking, and we're doing this stuff, and we fall. Instead of keeping our eyes focused on what God has for us. If we'll think the right way to live this life, God said, I'll bring you blessings. I'll get you to the enjoyment. 
if we'll trust God. The key to living this life is simply this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10, out of the message. It says, figure out what will please Christ and then do it. That's it. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. That is the answer how to live this life and how to win at the game of life. God said, I'll teach you how to live this life if you'll allow me to. Aaron, if you want to come up. When we make a choice to honor God, the Bible says that when you choose to honor God, God will honor you. And whatever area you make, your choice of making a living sacrifice is a spiritual act of worship. And that's what it comes down to. If I'll change the way I think, these circumstances that come up in my life will not affect my walk with God. And I think too many times, we're so focused on the circumstance, we get our eyes off of God. Stay focused on what God's doing. Whatever comes in your life, keep going forward. Trust what God can do. Now you may be sitting there saying, well, you don't know what happened in my past. And I want to be very serious right here because I don't know what happened in your past. I don't know how people talked to you, how people said things to you, how, how teachers taught you, what people have said about you. Maybe you were rejected by every person, from your parents to your brothers and sisters to your teachers. Not one person ever said you were good enough at anything. I was not there, so I can't say that I know what you're going through. But I do know someone who was there with you. The Lord was with us no matter if we served him or not. He watched everything that went. The same tears that you cried are the same tears that he cried. One of the shortest scriptures that talks about Jesus says he wept. He wept because he recognized the pain that they faced and they felt. I want you to understand this. Our God is not a far off God who doesn't understand things. When you go back and you study Jewish history, from the age of five, Jewish boys are thrown in to this school. And they're thrown into the school and they are taught the first five books of the Bible and they will just study them. They will memorize them from Genesis to keep going on and they'll go all the way through. They'll start at Genesis 1 until they get to the end. At the age of 12, they will stand before a rabbi. And they will show everything that they've learned. The rabbis were the most honored of people. They were the smartest. People wanted to follow after them more than anything else. They wanted to be a rabbi because that was the greatest calling. So from the age of 5 to the age of 12, you study these things. When you turn 12 years old, you stand before the rabbi. And if you're the best, if you're good, if you're good enough, if you're the one that they pick, they'll say these words, come follow me. Those words signified you have made it. You are great. You are amazing. You are the best of the best. And I want to train you what it means to be a rabbi. I want to train you for the rest of my life. And they would leave their family and follow this rabbi and go wherever they went. Wherever they went to learn what it meant to honor God. If you weren't picked to be good enough at the age of 12, you were sent back home to learn your father's trait. Whatever that is, if that's fishing or if that was uh, being a blacksmith or uh, a carpenter, whatever, any area that your father did, that's what you went and learned. So if, if Johnny wasn't good enough, he went home and he learned his father's trait and then his name became 
Johnny the blacksmith. Those people were viewed as just not good enough. They weren't the best. They, they just weren't good enough. Well, Jesus went through the same school. He went through the same customs that everybody else did. And at the age of 12, when he stood before the rabbi, he was sent home and told, you're not good enough. You're not the right one. You're not good enough. Because how do we know Jesus today? Jesus the carpenter. So at the age of 12, Jesus was rejected and said, you're not good enough. At the age of 30, he came back and he took 12 men who were all rejected and said, come follow me. I'll teach you how to live life. I'll teach you how to fish for men. I'll teach you what it means to do the right things. And for three years, he poured everything he had into them. Three years. And they took, those 12 men took it and walked with it. Well, minus one. He, you know, he had to go through some other things. But they influenced so many people. They didn't look at Jesus and say, no, 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 no. Remember at the age of 12, I was rejected. No, I have to stay here and fish because that's what I'm called to do. When you see them refer to him as rabbi, they were following after him because they want to be just like him. Very simply, it comes down to this. God wants you to follow after him too. In order to live this life, we have to let go of the unforgiveness. We have to let go of insecurities. We have to learn to let God teach us what love is all about. When you do those things, you will experience a sense of freedom that you've never experienced before, and that enjoyment will come into your world. You won't look at other people and say, man, I wish I could be like them. You'll have people looking at you going, how do I get to be like you? That's what life is all about, living at fullness, in the fullness of God, and experiencing what he has for us. But if we're not willing to let go of our past, we can't ever move forward. And so I'm going to ask you, to do this simple thing if everyone would bow their heads and close their eyes. If God has spoken to you today,